Well, here we are, 2022, friends. It seems like every year at this time, as we kick off the year, I get so many questions from church leaders, you know, really looking for their next pastor, next youth pastor, you know, a staff role. In fact, just this week, I had a friend reach out to me looking for a fantastic kind of groups, people, person, person, pastor. (laughs) And you know what? If you've spent any time in the church world, you know that finding great long-term healthy fits for your team is incredibly tough, but is critical as you're looking to thrive and grow in the future. That's why I encourage churches that I know and that I trust and that I love to check out my friends over at Chemistry Staffing. Chemistry is committed to not just helping you find your next team members, but really to helping you find long-term fits. That's their thing. They're so good at finding long-term healthy fits. If you're looking for uh, team members or even thinking maybe down the road, what I'd love for you to do is to drop by chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary to pick up their resume screening Playbook. This is a tool that you can use to literally screen all your candidates as they, you know, send you their resumes. It's fantastic process document, super, super helpful. Again, that's chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary to pick up the resume screening playbook. It's incredible. Uh, I really do cheer for you as you're looking for new team members this year. And beyond just the playbook, if you're thinking about hiring a search firm, you really should consider our good friends at Chemistry Staffing. All right, friends, let's jump into today's interview. I just love it. And actually, you're going to find this particularly helpful as we start this new year. Are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership? Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in. Uh, Today, we have got a real treat. I'm super excited for this. Been looking forward to this conversation for a while. You know, every week we try to bring you a leader who will both inspire and equip you. And today I'm excited to have Jesse DeYoung from Flatirons Community Church. Flatirons is a fantastic church. If you don't know Flatirons, you should. Uh, they're in Colorado, which as if you're a longtime listener, you know that I love particularly church leaders who lead in places that you would not typically say, hey, that's a place where churches grow. And Flatiron is one of those. Man, what a tough place to grow a church. And Jesse is uh, the executive lead pastor. He came as a recommendation uh, by our good friend, Matt Gilchrist. He said, hey, you should really talk to Jesse. So, so glad you're with us today. Uh, Welcome to the show. Rich, it's super good to be here. Glad to be here. And just got to tell you, I want to tell you in front of everybody, uh, you did a resource maybe seven or eight years ago on mm. online hosts uh, on the host spot with, mm. you know, like co-hosting, having music behind. It just was this like, I don't know, 25 page <laughs> ebook, but it was tremendously helpful to us as we were walking <laughs> in host spots at our campus for the first time. So I just want to say thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. It's funny you say that. We're we're actually working on a video companion for that, uh, literally as we speak, uh, bec- to kind of take it to the next level and do 
um, actually like a coaching clinic where we'll yeah. actually show people what I think are best in practices from churches. And then I provide some commentary to it. So uh, announcements, man, I love it. I'm like, a, I'm a church leadership <laughs> wonk. It's like, you know, I can talk about it all day long and I get a little too excited talking about announcements. So I appreciate that, Jesse. That's yeah, for super sure. kind of you. Well, um, I'd love to hear about Flatirons. It's a fantastic church. Um, can you kind of fill out the picture? Tell us a little bit about the church, just as an overview, just we get get you know get started, kind of fill in the picture a little bit for us. Yeah, sure. Uh, the church was founded in Boulder, Colorado, um, mm-hmm. a mismatch of two small groups, one from uh, a Baptist church and another from a Presbyterian church, started oh, in the 80s, and then just kind of has just steadily grown for years and years and years in Boulder, Colorado, and then moved out a little bit further out into the suburbs, still in Boulder County. And mm-hmm. currently um, our lead pastor, Jim, he's been at the church for 15 years, have experienced mm-hmm. just some really rapid growth over those first 10 years of his leadership. And now we've got five mm-hmm. campuses trying to reach people in a, in a fairly hard to reach uh, city. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're really enjoying it. We we try mm-hmm. to reach people who don't typically go to church. These people, mm-hmm. um, my, my favorite story is to illustrate is we were baptizing this guy at the campus that I was leading at the time. And uh, I, I just saw on one of his knuckles, it had the word weed written across the knuckles. <laughs> and I was just like, I was curious, but I couldn't see his other knuckle. And I asked the guy who's on the other side, hey, what did it say over there? And it said King on the other knuckles. So oh, he's the nice. weed king. Yes. We're baptizing oh, him. He's committed yes. to the church. And like those are our, those are the people that we love to have a part of our yes. church. Yeah, I love it. So this is uh, I've been in Boulder a little bit, and uh, man, I just love what your church is doing there and doing at at Flatirons, and it's just uh, it's so encouraging. And I love that's like such a great a uh, great story. Actually, I remember when when weed was first legalized in Colorado. Uh, <laughs> I was in, I, you know, shortly after I was in uh, Boulder uh, and it was in some ways, and I said this at the time, the leaders I was with, I was like, I, you know, it's like we're living in the future here and that's actually what's yeah. happened, right? That has become, mm-hmm. uh, you know, legal across most of the country. And I, I suspect eventually here it'll just become countrywide. So, uh, right. so, so fascinating. Yeah. Think about this. We're at a men's retreat. We would have like cigars mm-hmm. around the men's retreat, but then somebody <laughs> just pulls out a joint and you're like, I don't yeah. know that we're doing this here. So things we're we didn't, not in Kansas anymore. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> that's cool. Now your role there uh, is executive lead pastor. That's a, that's a cool title, a little bit different. Tell us about the kind of the scale and scope of that. Give us a sense of that role. Yeah, um, we joke that we we need two adjectives for all of our titles around uh, around <laughs> nice. flat And so um, for me, I lead the staff. So I report directly up to Jim, and then lead mm-hmm. the rest of the staff, lead the campuses, lead the ministries. Really under his leadership, mm-hmm. I'm then mm-hmm. executing on the vision, making sure we're accomplishing mm-hmm. the ends. And so uh, mm-hmm. stepped into that role, um, I think eight months ago, and so it's still yep. a fairly fresh role to us, but been on, mm-hmm. been on staff for, at the church for about 10 years. Love it. Well, why don't we talk about, you know, maybe some challenges or, uh, you know, bumps along the road that you've, that you've faced in the last couple of years as a church. What's, what's some of those areas that God's stretching you, stretching your leadership, stretching, uh, the church as you're, you're leading, uh, at Flatirons? Yeah, I would, um, I would say like one of our challenges has been, uh, over the years, we're we're fairly anti-corporate, but like mm-hmm. we we resist systems, we resist structures, we <laughs> all that stuff. And the problem is we're growing pretty rapidly. And so when you've got a church of about eighteen thousand um, a few years ago, 
with very little structures and systems and our staff, like anytime we would put in a system or a structure, the staff would be like, ah, we're, we're losing our way. That's not flat. Uh, <laughs> That's not who we are. It, it yeah. was a, that was a big struggle. And then a lot of the weight and the pressure, because we didn't have these systems to uphold, you know, our vision, a lot of the the pressure went to Jim, our lead pastor. And, mm. um, and we've shared this in different places. Jim's done sermon series about it, but mm. um, I'm trying to think two years back, two and a half years back, Jim was forced to take a, a six month sabbatical mm. by our elders. And wow. um, it, it was a, it was a pretty big deal. And, and he would, he would say, if he was on the podcast here with me, he would say, you know, he was leading in a panic. He felt like he was mm. having to prove himself to everybody because for the first season, the church wasn't growing. And he's like, wow. everybody hitched their wagons to the guy that grew the church 10, 15% mm. a year. And now it's not growing. Mm. They're looking at you going like, what's wrong with you? So he's carrying mm. a lot of pressure. He's feeling a lot of weight. He's feeling like he, ha- like he has to win every argument in a mm. meeting to prove himself that he's got the answers. And so mm-hmm. we went through a period where like um, Jim wasn't leading in the healthiest way, but also the staff mm-hmm. around Jim were kind of turned inward and really um, questioning him, questioning Flatirons. There was a lot of doubt in the organization and it culminated mm-hmm. with um, we did a staff survey and it came back and, um, and we had a lot of issues to work through. And um, as we dug more and more into it, we, we were recommended by some folks the best thing might be for Jim to take a break and to take a sabbatical and get wow. some rest. And, and he's acknowledged like, man, I really needed the rest. God did some stuff in the sabbatical season. And at the same time, mm-hmm. it was less of a, Hey Jim, we want you to go on sabbatical. It felt more in the moment, like this is an intervention. And so we could have right. done that a lot better mm-hmm. in the moment too. Hmm. Well, I, I want to spend most of our time talking about the post game, because it's amazing sure. to me. Here we are a couple years later, Jim is in leadership, which I think at the time, you know, if you were watching from the sidelines, I would have just assumed, okay, Jim's not going to end up there yep. long-term like that because yep. it's just all of that. But not only is Jim there, but the punchline friends who are listening in is, wow, things are in a better place. And it's, it's um, like, you know, thriving and the staff culture is better and all that. I, I want to get to that conversation and how we got there. But what would, would be some of those words in the, that you would use to describe the first couple weeks after Jim steps out on this, you know, six month <laughs> sabbatical, what, what was, what were those moments like? That must've been quite the culture, you know, to kind of be in, in those moments as a, as a sure, church. Sure. Um, the two words I'd use is, oh crap. Like we just, <laughs> yes. we, I remember, yeah. um, I remember we were, we had placed a lot of the blame. Like we had a culture mm. that, took all blame, all issues, all responsibility and pushed it as far up as it could go. And okay. you're just not going to build a healthy culture that way. And Jim's mm. obviously going to feel that way. And so when Jim wasn't there and we didn't have that person that we could point up to, everybody was pointing at us. And, and for like a week, everybody's like, okay, everything's going to be great. And then a week mm. later, all of the same issues came up. And I was like, oh man, like the issue wasn't Jim. The issue was just the, the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. I remember, um, in, in sabbatical was a gift for me, um, in a way that I got to experience just a portion of the weight that, a that a senior leader, mm-hmm. a senior pastor and what Jim was carrying. I remember being in an elder meeting, uh, we met with the board and the leadership team every single week to just kind of mm-hmm. chart the course ahead. And we we're talking about a sermon series that we were doing, 
uh, planning. And I was trying to get input so that we could, if it was a bomb, everybody could be, you know, accountable for it and responsible. Mm. It wouldn't just fall on me. And so I was like, what's everybody think about this? And they just said, well, Jesse, what do you think? Do you think we should do it? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And they're like, okay, we'll do it. And I was like, immediately felt the weight Mm. of like, if this this doesn't go well, this is on me. And so, and I was like, man, Jim feels that every day you know jim yeah. feels that when he's teaching when he's not teaching wow. uh, he feels the weight of the the hundred salaries and families mm. and in the health insurance and all that stuff and so we felt the weight of it uh there were some moments where it was fun but for the mm. most part like the month after sabbatical when jim came back like i tanked man like i just mm. was like i was sleeping 10 oh, hours wow. a night i was exhausted because it felt like we were just sprinting for six right. months there wow well, I, that's, uh, I think, a really insightful uh, comment when you talk there about how, you know, oftentimes the the senior leader or senior leadership team, it's like all arrows point to them, uh, whether sure. it's the praise or the pressure, whether it's like everything good that happens at the church is because of them or everything bad or the problems mm-hmm. are all of them. And we know that neither of those things are true, that like, you know, it's, if things go well, it's not just because they're here and 100%. If things go bad, it's not just because of them. So mm-hmm. let's talk about what were some of those shifts? I'm sure there are people that are listening in today that have not got to the place that Jim got to, but, but can identify that, whoa, that's happening in our culture. How do we help those churches avoid that and kind of maybe wire in some of the positive behaviors? What did you do to kind of help um, build the, the culture back and change things? What were some of those steps that you were able to take? Yeah, yeah. Um, some of them are practical. One thing was uh, all, all sides just acknowledging that, hey, we've got some repentance and growth to do. Like we realized mm-hmm. that during the sabbatical process, like we've all got work to do. And then Jim came back Jan- uh, January of 2020. And so mm-hmm. had like, had like four weeks back in the saddle, maybe five weeks, and then COVID and oh, it gosh. just disrupted oh everything. And so yes. that that was challenging in and of itself. Um, mm-hmm. One thing that was one thing that was helpful in us rebuilding our culture, and uh, mm-hmm. this is something that I've talked to some friends about, but most people don't want to talk about it. Was um, we during COVID, partially because of COVID, but partially because we've hit the point of absolute doubt with some of our staff where they were mm-hmm. aligned in a different direction than where Flatirons was headed. Um, but still they had friends on staff. They loved being on staff. So um, we knew we needed to reduce staff and we offered a voluntary severance program. And um, wow. so there was, um, I'm trying to think, uh, it's, it's hard to talk about, but we, mm-hmm. We offered five and a half months of severance. We had some conversations with people, just helping guide them, walk them through the process. But we thought that maybe 15 people would take the voluntary severance, and then we would start doing staff reductions after that. And Rich, Mm -hmm. when when 45 people say, hey, we'd we'd rather not work at Flatirons anymore voluntarily, that's kind of the the picture of where things had gotten and where we were. And so thankfully, those people self-selected out um, and we didn't have to have those conversations, but it, it was really an indictment about how things were and like how people were experiencing their work at the time. And so we knew like, we've got to make some shifts, you know, even the sabbatical, the sabbatical was a shift in Jim's heart, but then we needed some drastic shifts in the staff's hearts as well. Wow. How, how many team members would have you had? I'm trying to get a sense of the, sure. did you say at a hundred at that point? So it was like so, almost half. So we had, um, 
we had 160 staff. And when all was said and done, we had um, 75 people step off of staff. 45 wow. just voluntarily raised their hands. Um, and some within like 10 minutes of us making the presentation, they walked down and handed their letter. We're like, that kind of hurts our feelings a little bit. But Yeah, wow, wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so, so it was about a third of our staff said, hey, we'd rather not work here anymore. And I didn't realize that you guys did that. I've only, I know one other church that did a similar uh, thing and it was in a bit of a different context, but it was, it was basically, it was the same kind of like, who's in, like, if you're, yep. you know, if, yep. you know, we need to find the people, what a drastic and dramatic step. So how did you then, okay, so you have a ton of people who end up needing to transition off. There mm-hmm. obviously was some structural changes you had to make post yeah. that. What yeah. what happened in how you structured your team beyond, you know, that moment? Yeah, one of the, um, and, and we're still kind of starting to build back in different ways in some of those yes. departments, yeah. but from the high level, um, we changed when um, Jim had always had a couple direct reports the entire time that mm-hmm. he's been at Flatirons. And then mm-hmm. um, what, what we realized is Jim, if he was going to level up and really like operate at a pace that was sustainable for somebody who needed to teach at that level, lead at that level, mm-hmm. he needed mm-hmm. somebody who was going to carry everything else and really not just carry like the workload, but carry the weight of it. And so yep. that's when we started having conversations about my role changing and going from mm-hmm. Jim having four direct reports, everyone on our leadership team reported up to Jim to having one direct report, and that's me and me leading the rest of the team. And um, and and we're still, I mean, we're we're eight months in. It seems to be going going well, but at the same time, we'll we'll see it a year or two from now when it's really fully in, mm-hmm. in effect. I would say the thing that has been the most helpful is that I feel. Um, I feel a lot more weight in this role than I used to feel, mm-hmm. even though I was on the leadership team, you know, supervising mm-hmm. uh, the campuses or the weekends, just mm-hmm. I'm feeling the weight of all the responsibility that's under me. So that mm-hmm. by the time it pops up to Jim, like it's going to be a significant issue that I'm trying to right. like bring up to Jim. And I think that that's allowed him. And Jim said like, man, I, I feel like I'm, my sermons are coming to me easier. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm less stressed out when I'm connecting with our staff. My, mm-hmm. my home life is better. And so we've really seen Jim able to lead at a higher level and a better level because I'm trying to worry about everything before it gets up to him, where when it was the four of us and Jim all working together, a lot of times like we needed to have a conversation, but we're having that with Jim. Now uh, the mm-hmm. team and I had these conversations and then I'll escalate anything that needs to be escalated to Jim. That, it's been, that part has been super helpful for our structure and how we function. Oh, love it. I'd love to dig into that a little bit if you're if you're okay on that. So how does Jim so obviously he still needs to have exposure to whoever used to be on that leadership team and, mm-hmm. and you know needs to engage with them still at some level. How I understand he doesn't have the direct report to them anymore, but what does that look like? How does how do you ensure that Jim doesn't just become cut off from yeah. you know the kind of leadership of the church? What does that look like? Yeah. Um I would say our lead team still Jim, myself, and then we've got four others on the lead team. Mm-hmm. We would call that the lead team. But mm-hmm. um, Jim on Mondays and Tuesdays is offsite writing, thinking, mm-hmm. praying. Um, he's not working at the office. He's working either at home or at his property up in the mountains. And mm-hmm. when he's fresh and recovered, he's writing sermons really quickly. He's mm-hmm. getting fresh words from God. And so mm-hmm. while he's doing that, we're trying to solve as many problems as we can. On- on the ground. 
And Mm -hmm. that's where we really go, okay, what are the issues that we need to solve? We talk Mm -hmm. through them. We try to solve them without Jim. We have a two hour meeting with our leadership team without Jim on Mondays. Mm -hmm. And then, Mm -hmm. um, we have a Thursday lunch with the whole lead team and that's more relational. Mm -hmm. That might Mm -hmm. be taken one really like high level topic that we want to talk about, but we try to keep those meetings like thinking about a year, two years, three years out. And so, Hey, what trends Mm -hmm. are we noticing? We might listen to a podcast. We might read a book Mm -hmm. together or like Mm -hmm. we're a relational team. And so we do Mm -hmm. life together as much as we do ministry together. And so, um, that relational connection happens over the meal on Thursdays too. I'm not sure if we'll always have two different meetings like that, but right now it's been Mm -hmm. really helpful to keep Jim from like having to feel like he's got to solve all of these smaller problems with us. Mm -hmm. Love that. We were joking earlier that I often find myself when I'm um, on site at a church doing some coaching um, that oftentimes, I don't think I've ever said this publicly. So I've often, you know, a lead pastor will often pull me aside and say some version of, Hey, you know, I just love my executive pastor. They're fantastic. And they mm-hmm. do such a great job. Great on execution, you know, eight compliments. And then yeah. we'll say, you know, however, I just need some help, some coaching on the relationship with them. How do I build a good relationship? Or the executive pastor will pull mm-hmm. me aside and said, man, I just love my lead pastor. Such, you know, God's really using him and such clear communicator. And they're, you know, they're the person for, you know, this city and all that. But I just wonder, you know, how can you help me with the relationship? So I'd love to kind of talk about your and Jim relationship a little bit there. Maybe first let's talk about the structural side. Like how, how are you structuring your engagement? What are the meeting mm-hmm. structure look like? How do you stay connected? And then let's talk about some of those nuances on the relational side that are maybe less about what's on paper or on a spreadsheet, but how do you work together? So first structural, what does that look like? Sure. Sure. Um, so when Jim um, is working off site Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm the first meeting that he has on Wednesday morning. So from eight to nine thirty, mm-hmm. he and I have a meeting and basically I'm doing a little debrief of everything we talked about with the leadership team. I might be updating him on anything that he needs to know. And then we're just talking about different things that either he wants to discuss. I want to discuss. So mm-hmm. we have that cadence. We do it every single week and it's an hour and a half. And that's really before he gets engaged with the rest of the team. And so I might be telling Jim like, Hey, this person has been just They've been working so hard. Just walk by their office, give them an attaboy, you know, different things like that. We might talk about like different things that are happening at a board level. So there's that. And then Jim and I, uh, every two to three months, we try to spend a day offsite together. Like Jim, Mm. Jim's a very relational leader. I'm a relational Mm. leader too. And like, that's just the time where, and and I try to do this with my direct reports as well, where we don't have to just get through a like task list, like, okay, like this, 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 but like, let's just range. What are the things that won't fit into 45 minutes? What are the things that won't fit into an hour and a half? And we just let that go. And so I'd say about four or five times a year, Jim and I are getting away typically to his place up in the mountains and we'll go up and just spend a day up there and just let the conversation go. We might have a couple topics to talk about, but we really allow that to be free ranging. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. I love that. That's uh, and then you were saying that's like maybe once a quarter, once every six months, something like that, where you get away. Yeah, and, and I know, generally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Generally, once a quarter. Sometimes a little bit mm-hmm. more than that. Like, and, mm-hmm. and it just allows us relationally to stay connected. Totally. And, and he and I both love the mountains, so it's really easy. But I've talked mm-hmm. to some um, exec pastor, one of my coaches. Uh, he's Mike mm-hmm. Bodine from Central. In oh yeah, yeah, Vegas, yeah. thriving, Fantastic. prevailing church. Yeah. But he talks about like he and Judd when they connect. It's like 
they, they'll meet together, but then they have times where it's like, okay, let's just go to a restaurant or let's go do mm-hmm. activities that we like mm-hmm. to do together. And just, mm-hmm. you know, it's like even like marriage a little bit, you know, that XP mm-hmm. lead pastor totally. relationship is a little bit like you have to nurture the bond and the friendship there as well as the working mm-hmm. relationship. If there's going to be that high degree of trust. Absolutely. And you know, the, the relational piece is so critically important because by definition, the things that are, that ultimately you're going to maybe, you know, conflict over are going to be, uh, nuanced and difficult. They're Mm -hmm. they're You know, it's easy on the stuff that we all agree on, but when it comes to things that are maybe, you know, there's not a clear path forward. It's at that point that you need strong, healthy relationships to, to kind of help build the bridge to, you know, better decisions and, you know, a good relationships going forward. A hundred percent. On the um, some of the more nuanced side of the relationship, how maybe your internal you know head game? How are you thinking through the relationship with him? What are you doing? How are you kind of structuring how you uh, think about your relationship with him? And how what does that look like? Maybe outside of the structure, you know, what does it look like yeah. kind of interior when you think about working with Jim? Yeah, no, that, that that's really good. I've I've got these four things that I try to keep in mind when it comes to me and Jim. And mm-hmm. just my my posture, but also how we work mm-hmm. together. Number one is, and in, in I wish these had like an uh, acronym or something like that, but it's, like, <laughs> it's yes. just, I'm not a preacher. So um, yeah. the first one is emotional awareness. And it's just this concept mm-hmm. of like, Jim and I are really upfront about what we're feeling in the motion, like in the moment. And typically mm-hmm. I feel like we try to stuff feelings and just grind through it. And that's how we were for years. And we've had some mm-hmm. coaching around this. And um, it's easy for us to be like, Hey, I'm really angry about this, but harder for us to say, Hey, I'm actually sad about this. And mm. even harder, I'm, I'm afraid about, you know, this thing. So like, mm. but it's because Jim and I on a regular cadence are talking about, Hey, Jim, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of afraid about this. And can we talk about it? Like if, if we never talk about our emotions, I show up to a meeting. I'm like, Jim, I'm actually afraid about this budgeting mm. process. He's like, man, <laughs> these like, flashing lights are going off. There's a problem here, but I'm able to say like, Jim, I am afraid of it. Like, and can we talk mm. about that? And mm. we talk through it and it's not a huge thing. So that emotional mm. awareness and, and he'll do the same mm. thing in my direction. Okay. That's been super helpful so that we're not feeling like we're having to show up and perform in our relationship, but we actually mm. get to be fully known that way. Uh, the other, it, the next thing, number two is just honor. This is something that we, mm-hmm. we had a culture, Brad Lominick came and spent some time with our staff and he was just joking mm-hmm. with me after watching the campus pastors and I, uh, hang out. And he was like, it's interesting. It's like, there's a culture of dishonor at Flatirons. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean it like you guys joke mm-hmm. with each other, you know, you poke fun. And for me, um, we, we just started taking that to heart. And as Jim came back, we're like, we've got to like, make sure that we are honoring each other, not just honoring up, but honoring mm-hmm. down, you know, all around. And for me, like honor is just generous empathy uh, toward what mm-hmm. Jim's level of responsibility looks like. And so it's real mm-hmm. easy for somebody to be like, man, it must be nice to get paid like that. It must be nice to, you know, mm-hmm. have a place in the mountain. Mm-hmm. It must be nice to be able to be offsite Monday and Tuesday. And instead, like I try to have gen- generous empathy toward Jim to just be like, man, he's carrying a lot. And so I need to yeah. empathize with that. And mm-hmm. so that's the second. The third is, uh, mm-hmm. and it kind of builds off that is. I, I try to spend five to 10% of my energy setting up Jim to win. And so mm. trying to figure out like, how do I set him up to win with a staff person where if Jim just gives them mm. an attaboy, it's going to just mean the world to him. Um, mm. That when, when it came to Jim writing on Mondays and Tuesdays, that actually wasn't an idea that Jim had. That was something where 
I, I was just brainstorming and saying, Hey Jim, if you had two days out, could mm-hmm. you like write talks then? Would that feel better for you? And I, I see my role and the, the analogy breaks down, but I see my role is like, a coach of an NBA team with an all-star on it. Like that mm. all-star, you know, LeBron's coach, it doesn't matter who their coach is. Does that make sense? Like <laughs> sure, he, yes, if, yeah. if he wants them to be gone, they're gone. But yeah. the coach's job is uh, how can I find a team that's going to work really, really well with LeBron? But then also like, mm. are there some ways that I can like help LeBron be an even better player that he doesn't even realize? And, oh, that's, um, and that's what I found with Jim and other senior leaders is sometimes they need some, they need a lot of encouragement. They need to know where they're Mm -hmm. winning. They need to know Mm -hmm. where they can improve. And the XP is typically the person that can do that the most. And so Mm -hmm. I try to do that. And I try to just think, okay, how can I set Jim up to win? How can I help him Mm, right here? And and then the last thing is, um, we just say this a lot around here. It's called confront and cover. And this idea, Mm. if Jim is saying, let's say Jim comes to me and there's this idea that like, I'm like, I'm not sure that's the right idea. A right. lot of times what we do is we just hold that, you know, like we mm-hmm. don't say anything. They go do it. And then afterwards, somebody comes up and like, I can't believe that Jim or I can't believe that this person did that. And we're like, well, you know, they they made the call and mm. like, or that was, that's what Jim wanted. And we've got this thing where I'm like, man, if, if people around here are going to like say, well, that's what Jim wanted. That's what the leader up from them wanted and not going to be able to own the decision themselves. Mm. Then it's time for them to take their leadership, like what their leadership nuts, you know, and just hand them yes. to somebody else. Because honestly, yes. they, they just like, you're not being a leader if you can't own that. And so no, for me, so if I disagree, then I need to confront Jim about it. And we need to have a conversation mm-hmm. before anything happens. And, and mm-hmm. if I don't do that, then I'm covering him on the end. I'm not covering anything up, but I'm covering yeah. for him and saying, hey, I'm going to defend this as much as I can. So those are the right. four things that I just try to keep in mind when it comes to our relationship. Oh, I love that. I, you know, I think there's just such an important nuance there for uh, executive pastors. I think you do carry, um, you know, we carry an interesting um, piece of the puzzle as we engage with our staff teams. I found myself in the similar conversations around how, you know, oftentimes people are like, well, that looks so easy to like get up and <laughs> speak every week. And, <laughs> and it's like, gosh, no, there's so much pressure mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. our job is to try to clear in the XPC just to kind of clear the the barriers to clear the things that we can so that the, you know, those people can go and do those yeah. things. That's yeah. just so, so helpful. I love that. Well, what does the future look like when you think about kind of up over the horizon? I know it's kind of early days and kind of how this structure is, is working, but as you look to the future, any kind of changes on the horizon or things where you could see, oh, this might, you know, this might nuance this way or that way as you think about uh, your relationship with Jim? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, I think that, I think that it, we've seen just continuous building a trust. And so mm-hmm. I could see Jim being even out. Uh, he'll take a break this summer for four to six weeks. And during that time, I'll be leading the church. I'll be leading the mm-hmm. staff. I'll be, um, I'll be helping try to figure out the teaching team, different mm-hmm. things like that. And then um, across the horizon, Jim probably, I don't know, five, six, seven years from now is looking at, you know, succession and, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. finding someone to take his role. And so Mm -hmm. just we're spending now a considerable amount of our time thinking about, okay, what is going to make Flatirons a very attractive place to somebody who's looking, um, who might be making Mm -hmm. a move and looking to lead a church that way. And so Jim and I, that's the thing for me that I'm just trying to figure out is like, okay, what does my role 
look like knowing that there's going to be another senior leader five, six, mm -hmm. seven years down the road. And I'm 37 years old. So it's not like I'm at the end of my career, Jim and I ride off into the sunset together. And so mm. we're talking about that, doing preparations. But for the most part, uh, we're just trying to continue to build on trust, build effectiveness, rich our staff. The We've got 16 supervisors on staff and mm -hmm. 12 of the 16 are new to that role in the last two years. And so oh, wow. 75%. Wow. And so right now we've just got a lot of training of our supervisors and allowing yes. them to try to get get their feet under them when it comes to leading. Love it. Well, that could, that sounds like the whole other podcast. That's like a, a, what a great <laughs> maybe a year or two from now, maybe I won't <laughs> that, be in the role anymore. You know, well, yeah, that's a whole other out. discussion around, you know, how do you, cause that's such a critical piece, particularly, I think so many times as executive pastors, you know, we we're leading people who have not necessarily led other people before, or they haven't led at the level that they're leading before. And they look to us to be their coach. I just, uh, just love that. Well, this has been fantastic. Anything else you'd love to share just as we wrap up today's episode? Um, just one one thing is, I just think the story of Jim submitting to um, his leadership um, mm -hmm. with with the podcasts that are out there about you know like mm -hmm. church leader failure and all mm -hmm. that and I'm just really proud of our elders and our board you know mm -hmm. when when they needed to coming in and having a really difficult conversation but then for Jim to have the humility to accept it and then to come back mm -hmm. I mean there were podcasts that were, is Jim going to come back from sabbatical or not? Like people were writing podcasts, yes. like doing podcasts about <laughs> yes. that. And for yep. us, I just think that there's a story to tell that probably won't be told, but at the same time, like, man, there are leaders of churches out there mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. um, that submitted to authority and mm -hmm. did the hard work internally in their soul. And then staff and church and leader all did the hard work to make it work moving forward. And I, I just think the story of redemption is something that we've been working toward. And, mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I'm not sure those stories are being told in our current cultural right. climate. And I just want people to know like, Hey, there are stories like that out there. Yeah. I just, that's what I love about this story. I'm so glad that you have opened up about it. And, and obviously that Jim's willing for, you know, the story to be out there. Cause I do, I think there are, uh, there are so many leaders who it's almost like, they, the only path they see is like, well, I guess the only way out of this is to drive the bus over the cliff. And, yeah, you know, yeah. and that wasn't what happened here. You know, Jim, he submitted to leadership and, uh, and got healthy. And then the church was like, Hey, how do we do that as well? And I just, mm -hmm. what a great story. So, uh, I really appreciate you being here today, Jesse. Thanks so much for being on. If people again, aren't tracking with the church, where do we want to send them online? Where do we want them to, uh, to connect with you guys? Yeah, it's flatironschurch.com and on all the social media things and probably something that I've never even heard about too. It'd just be Flatirons <laughs> Church, one word, yes. and they could find us at all those outlets. Nice. Thanks so much for being here today. I appreciate it. Rich, thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Unseminary Podcast. Drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team. There you will find articles, online courses, and so much more. Unseminary, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Presented by CDF Capital. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary.